1: Big Show, Jake Scott with you, at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live today from the Plaza, out front of Vivint Arena. Uh, Let's get out to the uh, Smart Rain special guest line joining us now. He's a former Utah State quarterback, of course, the color analyst uh, for Utah State right here on the Zone Sports Network. He's Kevin White with us here on The Big Show. Hey, Kevin, how are you?
0: Jake, how are you? Busy day for you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're hanging in there. We're doing all right. Uh, certainly excited for a rivalry game coming up tomorrow night and one that uh, that should turn out to be pretty good. Give us kind of your tail of the tape uh, with the Aggies uh, going up against the Cougars this weekend. How are you seeing it?
0: it kind of hard to, to to gauge, especially after what we saw last week because the expectations are now ratcheted up a bit. You know, you go to that Boise State game with at a 3-0 record and you've come back from double-digit deficits in three consecutive games against the – some pretty good competition, and you're thinking, okay, we're we're there. Uh, We've got a chance to really compete. And and what we saw last week against Boise State was a a Utah State team that physically and talent-wise I thought matched up very, very well. It was just the the smaller details of execution, especially offensively in the red zone. I mean, when you look at the first half and you get inside the scoring territory five different times and you come away with no points, that points to you know perhaps – a team that is still learning how to convert when they have their opportunities and a team that's still learning in a system that's trying to come together and so when you look at all those factors uh you know that the defense are going to go up against tomorrow night is is better than what they saw against boise state and the offense is better than what they saw against boise state so utah state is going to have to play their best most clean football game of the season to have a chance to compete and i got to believe that it's got to be a one-score game, one way or the other. Getting into the fourth quarter for Utah State to have a chance to win this one tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, Kevin. I think you're you know you're spot on. I was going to ask you about the offense and and coming away empty-handed. I mean, you just don't see very many games where a team racks up 443 yards of total offense and gets just three points. And what is that? I mean. Is that something that's that's easily overcomable? Is that a red flag? Is that just you need a good week of practice? I mean, what does that tell you about a team?
0: No, good question because, you know, they've had so many big explosive plays. Uh, the red zone has been a bit of a challenge. One of four in the red zone against Boise State. Uh, you know, a blocked field goal, a turnover on downs, an interception. Small execution things that... Uh, you know, at, from time to time, especially early in the season, they've had some stru- struggles inside that red zone. So it's, it's really, one, I think it's a belief that when you're there, you can convert. And so it's a belief in your system. And uh, you know what Boise State did is they, they did a little bit of a changeup in, in trying to take away those inside receivers. And Utah State, uh, you know, trying to, to identify the box and what, it's, what it looked like and converting in the running game, a couple of penalties that push you back, It's just the small details of execution that uh, as you get there over and over and and more and more, you become more proficient at it. But it's also a mindset that when you're there, uh, you've got to be able to really lock in. And they've done very well inside the 20s, and they're averaging over 530 yards of offense per game. But inside the red zone, when it becomes more condensed and when it becomes tighter, you've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to execute the, the the, the, the quick passing game and then you've got to take your shots when you get a chance. And, by the way, if you don't have it, be willing to check it down. Maybe see if you can get a little check down to a tight end or to a, or to a back out of the, the backfield. Uh, and it's okay to kick a field goal from time to time. Don't turn it over and, uh, and take the points. So, uh, you know, I think as they get more proficient at it, uh, I think you will see that again tomorrow night. BYU will likely, uh, you know, Utah State will be able to move the football against this BYU defense. But when it gets condensed – And when the scoring time happens, if Utah State is not able to to really lock in on the small details and the good decision-making at the quarterback position, um, it might be a long night.
1: So that's kind of a, a negative thing, red zone execution, I, I suppose. Let me ask you a positive in what it says about this team. You know, that Boise State game aside, the first three games going 3-0, and uh, facing some adversity and being down in those games and, and fighting back and figuring out a way to win. I mean, that Air Force game was as fun a football game to watch as you can get, right? And so what does it say about a team that, that won't go away and, and battled through some adversity to get off to the best start in, in what program history or suddenly going back to the 70s?
0: I agree. You know, a 12-point deficit in the fourth quarter against Washington State, a 11-point, 12-point deficit against Air Force in the fourth quarter, but they were able to get big chunk plays. They had a 75-yard touchdown pass to Devin Tompkins and a 61-yard Calvin Tyler touchdown run late in the game against Air Force. Um, Going on drives and getting in the red zone, again, that, that really is the key tomorrow night for me. If Utah State can go 3-4 of or 4-4 four of four four in the red zone, I think you've got a real shot to win this game. Um, can they get the big chunk plays against BYU? This BYU defense and, then, well, this entire BYU uh, football team is really a Power 5-built program. And, uh, you know, the coaching staff at Utah State will tell you that they're going to compete just fine in the Big 12 when they get there. Uh, The way that they're built, the depth that they've created, they're a very strong football team and very likely will not let you get over the top of them uh, with some of those big plays. So it's going to have to be that 10-play, 12-play, 70-yard drive that uh, Utah State will have to convert. But I think to your point, Jake, what they've done is they've they've relied upon their their strength and conditioning. We've talked about it all season long that uh, with the pace that they run on offense, you wear that defense down, And in the fourth quarter, that's when you get those big chunk plays. So it'll be interesting to see if Utah State can really execute at a high level that up-tempo offense to to really gas the BYU defense and perhaps get a couple of big plays there in the fourth quarter. And then on defense, they've got to create some pressure. They've got to get Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall or whoever's going to be back. there calling the, the, the signals for BYU. They've got to get him off his spot. Can't let him get comfortable and then bottle up Tyler Algier as best they possibly can, which is harder said than done on defense to to perhaps get more offensive possessions. And I think that was the formula that South Florida ran last week. BYU only had eight offensive possessions in that game. That's a formula for success if you're going to beat this BYU football team.
1: Our friend Kevin White is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kevin, what are you expecting out of the quarterback uh, position tomorrow night for the Aggies? I think you
0: see Logan Bonner, and I think uh, Coach Blake Anderson has talked about it this week that, that they really, really do need to hone in on a one-quarterback system. And uh, he admitted in, in the press conference that they kind of got away from that uh, last week against uh, against Boise State. And this week, if they can keep uh, Logan Bonner healthy, I think you'll see uh, Logan Bonner be the guy. And you know he's he's had a good season, um, made a few turnovers, but uh, he's he's had a very good. Uh, a very good start to the season throwing for almost a thousand yards and uh and seven touchdowns but he has thrown an interception in each game including a couple last week including one inside the red zone so the decision making uh, can he learn from those mistakes and really execute at that high level when it when the the scoring times are there uh, that will be key but i think it will be logan bonner that will be behind the center
1: what have been—I'll uh, say—your first impressions of, of Coach Anderson. But I, I know he's—he's he's been around for a little while now. But uh, tell me, what is, have your been? Your impressions under of him?
0: Great guy. Uh, you know, just a, a, a strong, family, faith, football, and sort of that sort of order kind of guy that uh, is very honest and uh, is very upbeat. And when you go to their practices, the way that they practice is even faster than how they run their offense during the games. The, the energy and the tempo in which they, they execute and run their practices is something that I, I've never seen before. Uh, he expects that out of his coaches. He expects it out of his players. The players have responded. Uh, they went through a very rigorous offseason conditioning and strength and conditioning program. Um, and he's relied upon that in this, with this team. And uh, the one thing that we'll see as the season wears along is do does Utah State have the depth to really compete uh, uh, deep into the season? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out as attrition starts to happen. But you've got to believe that uh, he's got his kids believing. And that's all you need to know is those first three games to be able to come back from the double-digit de- deficits as they did, that's a team that's bought in. That's a team that believes in their coach. That's a team that, uh, that rallies around their coach. So he's going to stay positive with them. He's going to stay uh, very aggressive with them. We saw that in a fake punt call last week, that he wants to do everything he can to try to help his team compete. And, uh, and then he's really, really, uh, you know, a, a strong, strong teacher. Uh, and so I've really been impressed with Coach Anderson and the entire staff with the energy that they brought and the uh, belief that they've instilled into these kids.
1: So Kevin you've been around uh, that Utah State program for for a long long time and uh seen some peaks and and seen some valleys I I got into uh covering sports in this market in uh, 2003 And so during the first part of my career, you know, those were some low times for Utah state, but then coach Anderson, we saw what he was able to do uh, carried on by, by coach Wells. And, you know, even going back into the nineties and John L and certainly back before that, um, the Utah state had some, some great years as a program. But if, if coach Anderson were to come to you and say, Kevin, what, what's the connective tissue with the good, what do I have to do to win in Logan? What would your answer
0: be? Great question. I think, uh, and they're doing this, by the way, Jake, when you look at the recruiting for 2022 and beyond, they're beginning to win some of the recruiting battles in-state. And Coach Anderson will tell you that it all starts up front on the offensive and defensive lines, and he believes that he can win with in-state kids along the offensive and defensive fronts. And, uh, you know, when you look at the recruiting services, they're ranked number one or number two in the Mount West Conference uh, for 2022. Most of that is along the offensive line and uh, that's an area that they've really got to bolster, and, and the defensive front for that matter. So they think that they can they, they can get their front seven, they can get that offensive line and tight end group, and then sprinkle that in with some skill position players and speed players uh, from the state of Utah. But then they go outside of the state to be able to, to get, uh, you know, a little bit more speed on the outside and uh, some of your skill positions and some of your defensive secondary positions and linebacking spots. Um that's first and foremost. He's got to win that uh, that recruiting battle in state to 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 be able to compete along the offensive and defensive front. So he's doing that. Second, we believe that, uh, and I think, you know, for a long time when Gary Anderson came back, I thought, great, we've got the coach that'll be here for the next decade, and and having that continuity, much like you've got with Kalani and and with with Kyle at Utah, and BYU. We'd love to see more continuity, but I think what's what we've witnessed is that this is a developmental program, not just for the kids, but also for the coaching staff. And so, if you embrace that this is a developmental program, and understand that that's the case, um, you know, I, I think you can you can continue to 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 keep more consistency along the way, and not have all those peaks and valleys. And then third, what they did this year is they went to the free agency route and hit the portal hard. And of the 13 kids that they brought in out of the portal, nine of them are really contributing on a on a regular basis with this team. So you'll have to sprinkle in that into the mix on a year-by-year basis to to you know fill some of the gaps that you may have. So you know if Coach Anderson is very successful over the next three years, I'm not uh, naive enough to know that he may be on to the next level. And so then do you have in your wing in your wings the the coaching staff that uh, in the coaching pool if you're John Hartwell? Who's next in line for that that particular role? But, you know, that may be getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit. I would love to see Blake Anderson be here for a handful of years and, and really build this program. But it is a developmental program for both players and coaches. And we just have to embrace that.
1: See, you, I, I think you're right on the money, Kevin, with, with developmental program. And that, that I, this is a broad college football question for you because I think, you know, not just Utah State, but Utah and BYU and and the programs throughout the state, you know, that's where they've really buttered their bread, right, with developmental programs. You know, you go back to Lavelle Edwards and, you know, guys like Jim McMahon had to wait their turn, you know, as, as crazy as that seems and they had a chance with good coaching to develop really good Players and my, I guess my question is with with the transfer portal and with getting one free transfer on top of the already existing grad transfer rules, are you going to be able to run a developmental program, or is this going to turn into a situation where if you've got a freshman, <coughs> excuse me, that you really like, you better play them, or they're going to be gone, and all of a sudden uh, you get into that hamster wheel? that is bringing in transfers we used to see it with with jc transfers right where a program would get on the, the the jc uh kind of route and they could never get off of it right they'd have to go back to that well each and every year and and that developmental stuff goes by the wayside and my concern is is that programs that have really thrived on being developmental won't be able to do that anymore because they won't be able to keep the players to develop them
0: it's a really good question. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that at the Power Five level than you will at uh, at Utah State. I think Utah State is a, a program where you're not going to get the four and five star kids coming out of high school. You're going to get the two and three star kids that are likely going to be able to stay in your program longer term. And then if you sprinkle in some of those transfers that from the Power Five schools that uh, that are, that really want to come and get the act, you know, the the action and the opportunity to showcase for the next level, you know, a guy like a uh, a Byron Hobbs or a Justin, uh, you know, a Justin Rice uh, or a Patrick Joyner, for that matter, a Logan Bonner. These are guys that have multiple years to play, but they're all transfers from, from other schools. So I, I think you're going to see that more and more at the Power Five schools, but maybe not necessarily at the at the Mountain West level. I think that that Utah State can continue to be that developmental program and a really good destination spot for kids that may not, that thought they were four- and five-star kids that are not getting playing time at at the Power 5 schools. Now, I think it is a problem at the Power 5 schools. And so will you have a glut of kids that are going to leave those Power 5 schools and, you know, just kind of lose their way? That is the concern I have through the through the portal system. And, and they get, just get lost and they lose an opportunity. Well, and the JC route is not as viable as it once was. So now are the, the non-autonomous five <laughs> going to be, uh, you know, really stacking their rosters with, 10 and 12 and 15 of those transfers every single year, which really then to your point dampens or, you know, softens the developmental aspect of your program. That'll be interesting to see. I think we're in a weird COVID slash portal year that, uh, that we won't ever see again. It was just kind of a one-time element with the COVID seniors, the super senior year and, and the, uh, the portal that I don't think we'll ever see again. I think the portal will be the key for, developmental programs to sprinkle in and fill those gaps where you have largely gone the J.C. route in the past.
1: Kevin White is with us here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Kevin, you might have touched on this a little bit earlier, but just to kind of wrap things up, what do the Aggies need to do? What needs to happen on the field from their standpoint to get a win over BYU tomorrow?
0: I see three things. One, they cannot turn it over. Um, This is a a BYU team that uh, that will – Thrive on converting turnovers into points. Utah State is negative one in the turnover battle so far this year. BYU is plus five. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's something they're going to have to, to really uh, clean up tomorrow to be able to compete. Number two, uh, I think they've got to put pressure on Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall in various different ways. If that's a stunt or a twist or pr- uh, pressure off the edge, uh, you know, you're probably going to have to see a little bit of man coverage and take your chances to see if you can – bottle up the running game and get pressure on the quarterback and maybe cause a, a turnover. And then three, they have got to be able to get off to a, a better start. BYU, a very strong starting team. Utah State, a very slow starting team. You cannot be down two scores at halftime. You've got to keep the game close and keep it within one score going into the fourth quarter to really have a chance to compete in that fourth quarter to sneak out a victory. So those are my three keys for tomorrow night. And, uh, uh, by the way, I think if Utah State, and I think they can, if they can do those things, they've got a real chance to win this game tomorrow night.
1: Well, Kevin, we always look forward to it when you have a chance to drop by the show. Uh, keep Scotty in line tomorrow night, will you?
0: You know, that's a hard task. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the the Utah Broadcaster of the Year is, is unbelievable talent, the best I've ever seen, and uh, he, is, he is the voice of the Aggies. He's a, he's a great one.
1: Yeah, we love Scotty. He's the best. Hey, Kevin, you're the best. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. There you go. That's our friend Kevin White, of course, former Utah State quarterback and color analyst on the Utah State broadcast alongside our guy, Scotty G. And, of course, you can hear all the action from BYU and Utah State coming up tomorrow night right here on the Zone Sports Network. We're broadcasting live today from the plaza out front of Vivint Arena, getting ready for Frozen Fury, the Golden Knights taking on the Los Angeles Kings. We're seeing some hockey fans show up already. i am seeing, uh, got a couple of Kings jerseys walking by in front of me now, looking over at them golden knights jersey right over there you can come by uh get some gear something someone's cooking something because i can smell it over here but uh if you've ever uh or excuse me if you've never seen an nhl game do yourself a favor come down to the arena take it in tonight Uh, Because it's uh, it's really something, and it's really something in person. So the Kings taking on the Golden Knights here at Vivint Arena. We'll let you hear from Rudy Gobert his media availability from camp in Vegas. That is coming up next. It is the big show right here on 97.5 and 1280, the Zone. the big show jake scott with you 97.5 and 1280 the zone broadcasting live from the plaza here outside of Ivan arena getting ready for frozen fury the kings and the golden knights going down tonight here at the arena things uh, festivities here on the plaza getting going if you've already got tickets come down early and uh, mingle with the hockey fans out here in fact just talk to a a couple of passionate hockey fans there during the break pretty cool the uh, great event uh, here at Vivint Arena tonight. Jazz camp continues on in Las Vegas, uh, down getting ready for the season. Preseason game number one is next Monday. Amazing, amazing that it's uh, it's coming so quickly. So let's go ahead and hear uh, some media availability from Rudy Gobert.
2: What was the way that you kind of emotionally healed from it and kind of tried to move on from it? I mean, it's just, you know, whenever you lose, uh you know, whatever people say, uh, you know, this usually comes from people that are not uh, used to be in those situations. So, uh, for me, it was all about, you know, processing it and trying to understand what can, we, what can I, what can we do better as a team. And, uh, you know, there's nothing different last year from, you know, when we lost to Denver, we lost to the Rockets. You know, uh, every every... Every time was, uh, you know, was, was tough Doesn't want to win a championship. And obviously, when you get eliminated from the playoffs, you know that you're not going to win that championship that year. So it's all about processing it and come back better and be ready for the next season. Quinn City felt like uh, one of the big reasons for doing training camp, like in this type of setup, was to kind of get everyone together and kind of cleared the air about how last season ended. Do you feel like this accomplished that? I think we, whether, whether we're in Vegas or Utah, wherever we are, I think we are aware of, you know, it hurt all of us to lose to, to last year. And uh, I think every individual came back, you know, we uh, did our work this summer to try to make sure that we are able to not put ourselves in that position this year. And, you know, we we know that we have a great opportunity, we're excited, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all about how we're going to act, how we're going to react when uh, the adversity comes. From off-court perspective is this training kind of together, like, coming together, incorporating the new guys and the team, and just, you know, the stuff like that, what you want to do? I think we, you know, obviously for the new guys, I think it's cool to get to know each other, uh, not, not as a basketball player, but as, as a human being first. And uh, we, you know, we over the last few years, we always done stuff together as a team. And uh, you know, that stuff, uh, you know, being able to one of, be one of the teams that are, I would say the closest, you know, uh, outside the court, uh, it, it should help us, you know, when we go through those tough moments. Uh, there should never be a team uh, like the Clippers or whoever it is that when. You know, when we get started we shouldn't be more together than we are. And, uh, you know, it's a mess it's, it's you know, to just, uh, you know, support each other even, even a little more. Even when it's hard for me, I got to still find ways to support my teammates. And when it's hard for them, they got to find ways to support me, you know. And I think that's what the greatest team are able to do. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day whether you like each other or not. Like the greatest teams are able to uh, find ways to, to help each other out and we like each other, so it makes it easy. How do you go about choosing like what you're going to focus on, what you're going to get better at over a summer? Uh, just Obviously when you lose, uh, you know, it's one. you ask yourself, what can I do better? It's always something that, like you don't want to react to one game but, uh, or a few games, but uh, you want also, not have that feeling again. So you you try to, I I do that. I mean, the last few years I've been uh, with my coach, you know, we really put emphasis on some things and we try to, you know, keep building. And uh, that's what I've been doing, you know. It was a great summer. The Olympics was great, you know, for me to be able to to play, uh, you know, get better, play for my my country, play, you know, some 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 of my friends too, so it's it's always great, and uh, no, I'm excited to be back here. What did um, you and kind of like your coaches kind of focus in on? Decide that like, hey, you could kind of elevate your game this way. I think it was really uh, obviously uh, every summer of every year. I try to keep getting stronger. You know, it's something that it's a habit that I had since my group, with my students before. I mean, I was big, uh, get stronger, and and then on the basketball side. Uh, my skills, uh, you know, being able to, uh, be able to be prepared for all kinds of situations, be able to put a lot of pressure on the defense, and you know, uh, obviously the free throws, uh, the touch, the shots, all that kind of stuff is something that you know we keep building and you know. And, and now I feel I feel great, you know, I feel better as, as ever.
1: There you go. That's uh, Rudy Gobert from Jazz training camp down in Vegas. His Jazz season is is right around the corner, and uh, I'll tell you what it's gonna it's gonna take a lot from Rudy himself uh, for the Jazz to take the next step. And and honestly, you know, you heard uh, you, Quinn Snyder. I can't remember if it was today or yesterday talking about how difficult. I think it was yesterday. how talked about how difficult it is to go from, from good to great. And uh, the Jazz are right there, and they they have that one last step. They had the best record in the regular season uh, last year. At times, they were playing at uh, at just unheard-of levels, setting franchise records for wins, 21 out of 23, setting the league on fire and just waxing teams. And then, of course, you know, we know the the bumps in the road that occurred, and uh, I think uh, probably if you, you got down to the bare bones of it, a lot of those Jazz players will tell you that they left something on the table last year. But, you know, they need to make that difficult yet small step to go from really good to great. And I said this a little bit earlier in the show, and I, I believe it. I think it's, it's Rudy and Donovan that have to take them to the next step. And I don't want to say to a lesser extent Michael Conley, but, you know, it's the all-stars in this team that are going to have to figure out a way to, to get the Jazz to the next level and I know a lot of people coming out of that Clippers series were a little frustrated with Rudy and felt like he was the mismatch that the the Clippers exploited and maybe he was you know maybe there is uh, something to that argument but there's also something to the argument you're not going to sit down one of your two best players in critical moments no matter who you're playing against I mean that's that's the, the jazz are built around Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and you've got to figure out ways and this is Rudy evolving his game as well to the point where the, that that can't be exploited the option or the 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 solution is not to take Rudy Gobert off the floor in key moments for the Utah Jazz it's just not now I think they're a little bit more prepared to go against small ball lineups you know Rudy Gay gives him that luxury a little bit but when it comes right down to it you need Rudy Gobert performing you need Rudy Gobert on the floor and that's what this team is is built around so it's going to be Rudy evolving his game it's going to be Rudy getting better it's going to be Donovan Mitchell getting better that is going to get this team to to where exactly it wants to go and again I don't mean to Uh, de-emphasize the roster moves and the shuffling that's gone along uh, in the offseason I do think it it has made them a better team but when it comes to taking that big step that that step that is so difficult to take from going you know a great regular season team to an NBA championship team and winning You know, difficult game, uh, difficult seven game series deep into the playoffs against really good teams. That's when it comes down to who's got the best player on the floor or the best players on the floor that can make the other team scramble, the other team adjust, the other team game plan. You know, as great as John and Carl were, that's exactly what the Bulls did to the Jazz. The Jazz uh, back in the late 90s did not have the ability to. Uh, scramble and adjust to to the Bulls' best players and thus You know, Chicago's got a couple of titles and the Jazz were that close, even though they had, you know, historically great players in John and Carl. So it's up to Rudy to get better and to adjust his game and to fix some of the flaws in his game. It's up to Donovan Mitchell to get better and to become a better defensive player and a better two-way guy. I don't know how much you can expect Mike Conley to get better at this point in his career, but he's got to keep his level of play to where it was in the middle of the season last year when he was healthy and making a big-time difference for this team. So, you know, we can talk about uh, the the more adaptable roster, but it's still all going to come down to Donovan, Rudy, and Mike and where exactly that they can take this team. And I think uh, the potential certainly is there uh, for this Jazz team uh, to contend for a title, but it's going to be with those two players specifically leading the way. All right, live from the concourse, the plaza out here uh, in front of Vivid Arena. We've got hockey sweaters all around us. Hockey fans out here to see the Knights take on the L.A. Kings. The Frozen Fury game here at Vivint Arena. We'll have more for you coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a fool. a so Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from the plaza out front of Vivint Arena. It's Frozen Fury going down tonight. The Kings taking on the Golden Knights. And we've got a little uh, pregame festivity going on here on the plaza. A little music, a little food, uh, some uh, apparel uh, going down. Uh, so this has been uh, a lot of fun To be a part of, Uh, we want to remind you about our friends at Marley's Gourmet Sliders, whether it's the classic, the Rickster, the killer, the handsome Rob, pastrami, fajita, or one of their killer breakfast burritos. Don't forget the best shoestring fries out there. Marley's Gourmet Sliders will satisfy any hunger just off I-15 inside Timpanogos Harley-Davidson. That is Marley's. Uh, I was talking to uh, a couple of hockey fans uh, during the break a few minutes ago, and they, they came over here in Avalanche jerseys, even though the Avalanche uh, are not playing. And they were just a couple of hockey fans in general. But I was talking to, uh, to one of the guys who has a, a collection of of uh, hockey jerseys or sweaters as as they say and let me ask you this eric is is producing today eric you're big into gear i see you rocking uh gear around all the time when you're you're working and producing Are hockey jerseys are hockey sweaters the coolest jersey
3: yes they're also by far the most expensive
1: are uh, they really? Yeah, uh, I, d- I don't have a hockey sweater myself. Are they the most expensive? Yeah, for sure. Because you know,
3: a typical NFL jersey will run you about a hundred bucks, as will you know an NBA jersey. But you know, a hockey jersey, even without a name on the back, is going to run you like a hundred fifty dollars. Like they are, they're they're up there hey. and they're pricey, but they they are uh, a very good quality and they last for a long time. So,
1: I, so I also really like the logos in the nhl i don't know why this probably you know there's a number of cool logos but it feels like the coolest logos are in the nhl i don't know why maybe that's maybe i'm not there but i mean like the golden knights like that's that's a a sharp logo you know with the helmet that's a sharp logo i like the kings logos too and of course the the hartford whalers uh i think is the best logo in sports of all time again shout out to my friend uh gordon monson who got me a uh the Hartford Whalers hat for my birthday last year, which I wear almost every day except today, which we—you know—why would I wear a hockey hat to a hockey event here at the arena? I mean, we have <laughs> so many of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of sweaters rocking around the plaza right now. I got to admit, good-looking stuff. And they do have uh, apparel tables set up if you want to get some merch. If you're coming down to the game, get here a little early. You can grab a, a, a sweater for yourself. Do you, do you have a hockey team, Eric? I should know this, I feel.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a big-time Colorado Avalanche fan. They're probably the team that I'm just, as a fan, the most invested in. I'm a Broncos I'm always... fan, but they make me sad constantly. And the Avalanche, I, the Avalanche, I'm never pessimistic about. I'm always angry about the Broncos. Never about the Avalanche. I love what's the, the Avalanche.
1: What's the, you grew up here for the most part, right? What's the, the connection with Denver? uh just close
3: my dad was born in boulder so uh basically all my extended family lives in like the boulder longmont area and so i cheer for most of the colorado sports teams that aren't i don't obviously i don't really like the nuggets but i you know i like or the rockies for that matter because they're always terrible but um no i i'm a big fan of the Colorado area teams. And, right. and, like, you know, it feels like it would be hard to become a fan of, like, somewhere else because we get all those games here, and to go way outside of a market just seems like a total hassle. I want to watch
1: the teams I root for. All right. I always wonder, you know, people around here when it comes to, of course... You know, jazz fans and Newton Cougar fans, you know, I get where that comes from. But, you know, NFL fans, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different types of NFL fans or different NFL fans around here. And I wonder where how people get their fan connection when it comes to a sport that's not necessarily uh, in the market. In fact, we did a, a lot of market research on that years ago, and there really is a, a a a ton of nfl fans in this market they're just fans of every different team that's why i wonder if if uh, this market is going to become more of a raiders market because it already is kind of a raiders market when we at least this was years ago when we did our research the three big teams here were and it probably makes some sense the the raiders because there seems to be Raiders fans everywhere the niners and again this was back in like early to mid 2000s so you know i think it was the Niners still the that Steve Young hangover effect, and Alex Smith was on the Niners at the time, so that made some sense. And then the Broncos, which are on TV uh, here every single weekend. Thanks a lot, David James. You know, so not a know, surprise that there are a lot of uh, a lot of Broncos fans here.
3: You know who I'm shocked doesn't make that list. I feel like there are a ton of Cowboys fans in this
1: market. Well, it seems like there's a ton of Cowboys fans everywhere. And and who knows, maybe that could have changed as I said. I mean, this this was research we did uh, well over 10 years ago. So, so who really knows. But it, it's funny, Eric, I don't know how big you are into the sports bar scene around here, and I certainly have. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've been to a sports bar, but pick a sports bar in town and there will be a different NFL fan base there every Sunday, almost guarantee it. Like it's it's random. You can go to different places and you've the Eagles fans and and Giants fans and I don't know, there there are a ton of NFL fans in this market, but from a programming standpoint, it's always a challenge because they're just scattered all over the place. There's randomly a lot of Steelers fans here in this market, and I just wonder if that will ever change or if it will change with now with the Raiders being a little closer. I mean, you know... the. Denver, what's uh, what's Denver drive time, Eric? Nine hours, something like that. Nine, yeah, ten about hours? nine hours. Yeah. Whereas uh, Vegas, significantly closer than that. In theory, you could drive down to Vegas, watch the game, and drive home. I don't know why any sane person would actually want to do that, you know, because it is Las Vegas. But funny you know,
3: story about that too. I was listening to, uh, I was getting an Uber down to work to work one of these NFL games we cover on the station and the driver was trying to get these tickets uh, figured out so he could go down to the Raiders game last second. He had found tickets on Spirit Airlines for $80 round yeah, trip easy to, to get, get down from there. Salt Lake to Vegas. That's crazy.
1: It's cheap. Yep. And I, so I wonder how that will affect NFL fandom in this market. But the NFL is huge around here, but that was always the challenge, that there's a lot of NFL fans – they're just scattered as far as which team they want to want to talk about or which team they root for all right we'll have more coming up next it is the big show broadcasting live from the plaza here at Vivint arena getting you ready for frozen fury uh, the Kings and the Golden Knights right here on 975 and 1280 of the zone Wrapping up a big show. Jake Scott with you here, 97.5 in 1280 of The Zone. Frozen Fury about to get started. They're about to drop the puck inside Ribbon Arena. The Los Angeles Kings taking on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I uh, I tell you, you know, we carry Raider games here on the Zone Sports Network. And, uh, you know, as Las Vegas now uh, gets a couple of pro franchises, it's amazing how much uh, Golden Knights merchandise that I see bouncing around town in the hockey community here and I wonder you know I've, I've kind of had the theory for the past few years obviously with the Raiders that uh that Salt Lake in uh, our our kind of relationship with the market of Las Vegas in that city and you know the proximity of it all that we're going to see a lot more Raiders fans in this market I think the same is true about the about the Golden Knights and of course um the kings have had a relationship with this arena and the jazz for the past few years as we've seen a bunch of these nhl preseason games come through and they're all a lot of fun i'm glad that that uh, that has continued and hopefully we see a fun uh, night of hockey uh, here at vivant arena tonight uh tomorrow on the show we are headed north yes we are going up to logan uh and we're going to be at murdoch gmc 1955 South Main Street up in Logan. getting you ready for Utah State and BYU. Of course, you'll be able to hear that game. All the action. Scotty G, Kevin White on the call right here on the Zone Sports Network. And I I think we're in for a good game. Um, I said this earlier. I'm going to pick BYU to win. We'll get further into this on a Football Friday coming up tomorrow. I think the, the Cougars right now are the better team. But I'll tell you what. Utah State has certainly exceeded Uh, my expectations i know last week against boise state was a little rough uh uh, but utah state still put up 400 plus yards of offense on boise state i know they only got to uh, three points and we talked to kevin white about that extensively when he joined the show a little bit earlier they've got to be more efficient in the red zone but you know the aggies are playing some good football there's a lot of heart in that team they're playing hard for coach anderson you know, of course, he brought some, some transfers in there, guys he was familiar with. You know, we talked to Coach Mack a little bit about this on the last Football Friday. You know, guys that can come in, be good locker room guys, and uh, fit into that team and get everybody pulling in the right direction. I think they've done exactly that. You know, it was tough that loss against Boise, but you look at the other three games, you know, games they trailed in, games that it would have been really easy to uh, just uh, kind of take the L and go home. And there's so much fight in this Aggie team. I, I'll tell you, that Air Force game was one of the most fun games I've watched in a long time. And actually, the, the Aggies have had a bunch of fun games over the last couple of years that have come right down to it. You know, you see Scotty G's What the Hell Just Happened, right? That, uh, that crazy game against well, it was Colorado State. Uh, but anyway, Utah State, there's a lot of fight in this team. And I think, I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, against BYU, I would be surprised if either team really jumped out to a big, uh, big lead. I really expected it, it to be competitive throughout. You know, Kevin White talked to us about this as well. That Utah State is is pretty well set up to maybe exploit some of the the things that we saw against South Florida and some of those things uh, that, that BYU gave up in the second half. You know, Utah State with its tempo and its pace and its ability to move the football might be in a pretty good position to uh, to give BYU a run for its money. And then on the other side of things, BYU's been really good this year. Uh, with you know that second half to South Florida aside, you know, it, look at that. They beat three Pac-12 teams at the beginning of the year. I know Arizona's not much to write home about, but of course snapping the streak and getting a win over Utah is a great win. Great win over Arizona State where they played a lot of good football. I don't think they've played their perfect game yet. Not even close, even, and to still be undefeated at this point in the season, I think should give BYU fans a, a lot of hope as they go into this, uh, not quite the second half of the schedule, but this this other part of their schedule where they have room to, to really make some, hey, not easy games, as we talked about earlier in the show. Certainly not going to be an easy game against Utah State. But I think this BYU team has the potential to win 10 games. I think that's absolutely realistic. And so we'll see. It should be a good matchup coming up tomorrow night. Certainly looking forward to it. We've got football Friday tomorrow. Again, we'll be in Logan. We'll also mix in a little basketball conversation as the jazz season, of course, is right around the corner. Uh, Big thanks to Lloyd uh, and Eric for producing the show today. Thanks to uh, Megan, who is our on-site engineer. Uh, It's been a really difficult day here on the big show. If you're just joining us, there's some changes coming to the station um, certainly some changes coming to the show. Uh, it's been very difficult uh, doing the show today without Gordon and Austin. Um, unfortunately, they're not going to be part of uh, the station uh, going forward, and it's it's been a really, really difficult show. Uh, those guys are, are amazing and a uh, very important part of uh, this station and a very important part of my life personally, and this has been a, a very difficult show to, uh, to get through, and I'm sure... Um, you know as we find out what's uh, on the horizon and what the future is for the uh, zone sports network uh, now going to be under the operation of of KSL and you know some potential uh, exciting things in front of us uh, today's been a tough one uh, to do without uh, uh, two uh, people that have have been a big part uh, a huge part um, of this station for a real long time has been really difficult so Uh, In honor of uh, Gordon Monson and uh, Austin Horton, we we tell you good night here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.